This is the Frogcast. Welcome to the Frogcast. I'm here tonight with Daniel and with Jeremy. I'm Jeff Mitchell, and we are excited to dig into all things TCU. It's been a while since we recorded, fellas. I'm looking forward to chatting with you today. We got a lot we're going to go over. We got the draft. Um, recap a little bit of that. We got a baseball team that is maybe coming back to life a little bit. We got a lot of recruiting news as well as some personal information we're going to share about our own safety. Jeremy, let's just start with you. What did you take? What's your big takeaway, your gut reaction to the Frogs in the NFL draft? I know we had three players drafted in the draft as well as over, you know, about a dozen guys picked up on the free agent market. What was your first reaction watching uh, TCU in the way that they filled up rosters in the draft? Well, I was really happy to see Joseph Noteboom go uh, in the third round. I I thought that was kind of the area he was going to get picked. Um, I was real happy for Matt Pryor to get selected because, you know, he's, he's a great story. He comes out of high school, he has no offers, and he's one of those guys TCU found very late in the process and really took a chance on him. Lo- love him or hate him, he, he had a decent career at TCU. He, he worked in between guard and tackle. So, he uh, you know, it, it's great for him to get selected. And then Traven Howard, I, I, I figured out someone would take a chance on him just because – He's got such a nose for the football, and, and he's just made plays at TCU. He's played great defense and arguably one of the top defenses in the country under arguably uh, the best defensive mind in college football. So you know they have something there. Um, and if he doesn't make a roster as a linebacker, I mean, certainly he'll be a good asset on special teams. But overall, those three guys were uh, guys I predicted to get drafted. Uh, I, I was really surprised – that guys like Austin Schlopman didn't get picked up. I mean, cause he was so versatile on the offensive line. Um, all four years for TCU had a ability to play center, played guard, even played tackle. And with his size, I just thought someone was going to uh, end up drafting him, but I was real happy to see him end up in a camp and it's a good recruiting tool. I mean, they had three guys drafted and they have a, a total of 14 guys that are going to be in rookie camps and that's something they can sell to recruits. I mean, it's something, especially with the offensive line guys that, I know they're already selling. Uh, they already sold that to the big Hawaii kid that came in, Julius uh, Bulow, that came in a few weeks or last week, and they uh, s- sold it to uh, Taylor Materco, who's out of Albuquerque, New Mexico, and or, or Carlsbad. I don't know why I said Albuquerque, but uh, those two guys had mentioned right off the bat that they were impressed with uh, the offensive linemen getting drafted by TCU into the draft, and, and it shows that TCU does a great job of developing that talent. So. Overall, I thought it was a pretty good day for for the Frogs, and uh, really cool to see 14 of those guys get an opportunity to uh, make a camp, make a team somewhere. Yeah, I was also surprised that Austin get, didn't get picked up. I figured w- with his versatility, you know, he can play guard, he can play center, he he might be able to get picked up. And his, you know, he he called a lot of the the schemes up front for those years that he was playing, and I thought he might get picked up for that. But he's going to make an impact. I think he's going to be one of those guys that sticks around in the league, even if he isn't a you know an everyday starter for four years. I think he's going to be in the league for four or five years, and that's 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 quite an accomplishment. That's something that I don't know about you, but I was never able to do that. So I think Austin's going to be able to excel. I was a little surprised I mean I didn't think he was going to get drafted but even even when he didn't I was still a little shocked I thought Kyle Hicks might get picked up I thought he was a, yeah. a third I thought he was a third day guy not just because he's a quality rusher but his ability to catch out of the backfield and then you know, one of those mm-hmm. things that you just kind of pick up watching a game I think he's a pretty quality um, uh, pass uh, blocker too he knows how to step up sure. and, and take a hit so I, I was a little surprised Kyle Hicks didn't get picked up what you guys think I, I wasn't too surprised. I didn't think Kyle was going to get picked. I love Kyle as a player. He, like you said, Jeff, he's very versatile. He can run the ball. He can catch the ball. He had um, over 2,000 rushing yards in his career. And if you look back to his junior season, he had uh, over 1,000 yards rushing, and I think close to 500 receiving yards. Um, I, the the thing that really killed him, I think, is when he went up to the combine, and I think he ran a 4.6440. And uh, typically as a running back, he's not a real heavy guy. He's not a 220-pound back, and that's typically what you um, look for speed-wise when, when you have a guy that weighs that much. And I, I can't remember how much Kyle weighed, but I, I know that um, some people thought he would run a little bit faster and, and not in that four, mid-4.6 range. 
but I think he'll have a chance to, you know, like you said, he, he has a, he has a um, great versatility and he does a great job of picking up rushers on, on blocks. And so that's one thing that if you can't do that, you're not going to be on the field period. And that's, that's what, uh, a lot of running backs have a hard time learning to do when they're coming out of high school and into college and Kyle just made that transition seem so easy because he, he did such a great job um, throughout his career in, in that aspect of the running back game. But uh, Kyle Hicks, Patrick Morris, I mean, Patrick's another guy that, 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 that would probably be the one Jeff that I was real surprised that didn't get picked. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought Patrick might get picked up as well. He, he's another one of those guys that's going to bounce around the league for a couple of years and continue to, to earn a paycheck in the NFL. You know, if you look at, you step back and look at the big picture, Daniel, I want to put you on the spot here with this question. Is it, even though it might be good for the conference, and I don't really like draw any power from other teams' success, it's good for the conference that Baker Mayfield was taken number one overall. But how many beer bottles did you smash when you saw Baker Mayfield be the first round pick in the NFL draft? I smashed my TV. <laughs> um, yeah, I didn't have any beer bottles laying around. Um, so I smashed my TV because, uh, no, I I had a feeling he would. I didn't want it to happen uh, because who, who, who did? I mean, everyone hates him. Um, but uh, unfortunately, um, I think in the in the the bigger scheme, yeah, it's probably good that the Big Twelve, you know, won the Heisman, of course, which is is good enough for the Big Twelve, and then you know, he gets picked first overall, you know, and and then of course for a while the Big Twelve didn't look very good compared to other conferences as far as drafted players. Um, I think the some of the non-power fives had several more picks at one point. I mean, it took a while before the Big 12 started having um, more and more people get picked up. Um, at the Now, when the draft was over, it, it kind of leveled out and it was okay. But um, I, I hate that it that it's good for it, but <laughs> I think that it is. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> well that's that's because you're an unbiased journalist you have you have no perspective you know you have no opinion you're just completely objective unlike the rest of us <laughs> you know you know the, the, the funny thing about it is is you know for all the people that hate him the dude just continues to get the last laugh i mean he who would have thought that who would have thought i mean everyone knew he was talented there, there's say what you want to say about the guy he's a talented football player okay he's, oh i've said what i want to say he's well, yeah, he's, he's, he should be if you get to play for yeah, six years. He's, he's a cocky sucker, <laughs> but he he's a good he's a good football player. But he, and all he's done is just I've said this a hundred times. All he's done is prove people wrong. And I know people. It, it's one of those things. Now he's he's got people. So many people rooting against him because so many people felt that he didn't deserve to be the number one overall pick. Maybe they're right. Maybe they're wrong. But one way or another, he still got the last laugh on it because I don't think anyone truly believed once again like here's this lake travis kid coming out of high school oh, you, you got two or three scholarship offers you're going to walk on at texas tech you're making a mistake you should have taken these offers he wins the starting job doesn't get offered at texas tech gets his feelings hurt leaves where's he go to oklahoma of all places where the competition's way tougher than what it was at texas tech comes in sits out a year is the starter goes out Wins the Heisman, and then he then he comes in and and get, gets selected number one overall. It just you know, I sound like I'm on the Baker Mayfield fan wagon, but I'm not. I'm you really are. not. I just I just I just love the I love the fact that he just keeps proving people wrong. I, that's me, man. I just well, I just love hold it. Hold on, let's hold on here. Who really gets the last left? Because he has to go to Cleveland. That's true. <laughs> that's very true. You he know, has to go to Cleveland, but he's going to be a rich sucker living in Cleveland. Well, there's the downfall right there in the last part of that sentence. You have to live in Cleveland. You know, I got a friend of mine that, that I go to church with that is a huge Cleveland Browns fan, and he just he says that he needs to seek medical health or mental mental health care because of what it's like being a Cleveland Browns fan. That's a tough that's a tough pill pill to swallow. Yeah, you know, you know, I, you know I liked watching those fans in the draft. It was <laughs> that was hilarious. It was just like the uh, that movie, the Kevin Costner movie, Draft Day or whatever it was. They actually had yes. the number one and the four, fourth pick and you're, you're wondering what they're going to do. And 
if they wanted to create a splash, they did a great job of doing it because someone, I, I was at my son's baseball game and some, someone I hadn't started watching on my phone yet. And someone came up and said, did you see Baker Mayfield got picked first overall? I said, no, he didn't, whatever. And I said, that's just people mock drafting, whatever. And they're no, for real. He just got picked. And I, I looked at it and sure enough, there he was, they were talking about him and everything else. And I was like, man, that's, I couldn't believe it. You know, I, I like I said, Baker's a very talented kid, but with that quarterback crop they had this year for the draft, I, I was kind of uh, thinking he was going to be in the third or fourth round, you know, selection overall for quarterback quarterbacks. But, hey, props to him. See, I, he gets the last laugh again for proving people wrong. You know, in my opinion, and I'm no draft expert, I I, I watch more college football than NFL by, by a mile. I don't. I didn't think that was a very strong NFL or quarterback uh, crop. I mean, I think that you know the kid, you know Rosen from UCLA. I think is going to be an NFL quarterback. Everybody was all over Josh Allen out of Wyoming. I, I mean, Kenny Hill's better quarterback than Josh Allen. I said it. I don't think that he should have been drafted so high. I think Sam Darnold's going to be in just another USC quarterback that busts. Uh, yeah, I, I think Mason Rudolph was drafted in a, in, a, in a strong spot, and I think he'll do well in Pittsburgh in spite of having to deal with Roethlisberger. But I don't think this was a strong NFL uh, draft for quarterbacks, and that doesn't mean Mace, uh, you know that, that Baker Mayfield would have been a fourth-round pick in another year, but it just means yeah. that he, ha- he had the spot there, and he went and took it. It's like, it's like all things. He had the spot there, and he went and he, and he took it. So that's enough Baker Mayfield talk. <laughs> <laughs> Anybody else that got picked up by TCU that you guys uh, wanted to comment on? My thought was uh, Taj Williams. I hope he does something in the NFL. I know he had a yeah. really tough senior year, but he's got ability. He's got a chance. I, I hope he does something with it and, and makes the most of the opportunity that he had. That was kind of my closing thought on the guys that got picked up late. You know, in the in the undrafted free agent. I think Nick Orr has a chance to to make special teams. Ranthony. Um, if he could show that he can cover bigger receivers, which he's done pretty much his entire career in the Big 12, um, he might have a chance. It's I, You know, to be honest, guys, I, I think a lot of those guys that sign contracts, just free agent contracts, really, really have a good chance. I'm not going to say all 14 of them do. I, unfortunately, I don't think Kenny will. Um, yeah. I'm I'm still up in, up in the air about Kyle Hicks. I've you know, I think he's a very, very talented back, but I just, I just don't know um, if he's truly gonna have a chance to make it somewhere. Uh, Patrick Morris, I, I love the kid, and I thought, I thought he was gonna get drafted, but for some reason, I keep getting, you know, I just think that NFL teams are gonna look at his height and be turned off by it, which they shouldn't be, because if the guy was at the combine, he would have been the talk of the combine for offensive linemen, because. Virtually everything he did at TC's Pro Day would have been the top result at the Combine. And uh, I think he's uh, – yeah, he could be one of those secret guys just like Joey Hunt comes in and no one really truly knows how good he is. And then all of a sudden he's a 10-year guy, you know, just making – just a no, uh, just making a, making a uh, career of the NFL because no one really – no one really knew who he was and he just comes in and does his thing. Like we all knew he would at TCU and just makes a career out of it. But the thing that the, the guy that I, that I think has the best chance at the longest career is, is obviously note boom, just because he's just where he came from. I, I remember I'll tell the story because it's in inter- it's an interesting story. There was, there was a dad I talked to a while back and his, his son was an offensive lineman and some wanted to go to TCU, and TCU never offered him. Well, they ended up offering Noteboom, and I remember that dad telling me, Man, that kid's never going to play a down of college football because he's too, he's too small. Because Joseph, Joseph was only like 6'5", six, six, 260 in high school, and, 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 and dad had told me that TCU was making a huge mistake by offering Joseph instead of his son, and – it was it was crazy because Joseph was not very he wasn't very big in high school but he was so athletic was a was an ice hockey player imagine the 6'5", 260 pound kid playing ice hockey um, but anyway he just gets to TCU gets really into the strength and conditioning program puts on good weight and he's a three year starter and uh, I think the Rams got a very good pickup with him and and out of all the guys that are in uh, going to be set to go into rookie camps. I think he's going to 
be in the NFL for, for the longest time. That's a great story. And I hope that that kid, uh, his dad, maybe he's eating a little humble pie. So I'm, I, I'm glad to hear those are great stories. You get to hear some good stuff on the recruiting trail. Let's switch gears a little bit here. This evening, when we're recording on uh, Monday, May 7th, uh, Coach Gary Patterson is uh, receiving the Stallings Award in honor of uh, Gene Stallings, a former head coach at Texas A&M and Alabama, and uh, won a national title in Alabama and been the, Air- the St. Louis Cardinals coach at-, at one point before they moved out west. This is an award for excellence on the field and off the field. It's not just X's and O's. It's not just somebody that's able to um, win a few games more than win a few more games than everybody else in the conference. Is a recognition of almost a lifetime achievement of excellence on the field and off the field. You know, one of the things I love about Coach Patterson is, you know, there's there's stories and there's issues and there's bumps in the road, but he's been here at the helm all of these years, and there's really no major stain on this program. Um, I know I know we got the drug bust. I know you got a lawsuit. I know you got X, Y, and Z, but that's just part of doing business, in my opinion. Coach Patterson has represented this university and represented um, himself and his family so well um, during his tenure here as the head coach. And I don't know about you, but I, I can't think of anybody more deserving of, of this award, of the Stallings Award. I'm a big fan of Gene Stallings. He, you know, he was an excellent father to his son that had special needs. I remember that early when I was in high school watching that Alabama-Miami t- title game. So, you know, I'm, I'm kind of on a rant here, but I just want to say congratulations, Coach Patterson. I can't think of anybody that deserves this award more than you do. And I would just thank you for the, the leadership that you've given the university and the football program on the field and off the field. Yeah, that's – I mean, it's it's a – Really good thing for him. I'm I'm happy for him as well because a lot of people when they see Coach Patterson, all they see is the the hollering on the sideline or they hear the audio and hear how his voice is basically gone after every game. And I'll say this: he puts 110 percent into uh, coaching games, coaching practice, but he puts that same kind of effort off the field as well with his charities and, and, and making sure kids get their degrees when they get to TCU. Kind of makes the whole lawsuit thing kind of seems silly if you if oh i know it does so, it does i mean it, it just it's just a uh token to him of what he's done um for the program uh, to get that award and i mean great i mean gene stallings man i mean that's a it's a great award right there i mean you talk about a, a coach with such integrity and just great history and i have a gene stallings story and it's the craziest thing because you, know, you mentioned uh, uh, him having the special needs son and back, oh gosh, it was, I think it was 1995, I want to say it was, 1995 or 96. Anyway, I was I was in Highland Park. I don't remember. I was working at, at a summer job, and I was going into this photography place, and I go in there, and I see this guy, Laura, you know, just, just – I'm a college football fan and I see this guy and I'm telling myself this, that's Gene Stallings. That's Gene. But I'm not, I'm not, I'm not making, I'm not making any kind of scene about it, but I, but I know that's Gene Stallings. I, I know he's the Alabama coach. That's Gene Stallings. And, and, uh, so he's, he's just, uh, his, his special needs son was in there. His son was in there too. And they were taking pictures together. And I remember saying, uh, telling one of the girls, cause he, he looked at me and said, how are you doing son? You know, doing doing good, and uh, so I asked one of the ladies I worked there. I said, "Is is that is that Gene Stallings?" And he overheard me. He said, "Yes, sir, I am. How you doing, buddy?" And you know, <laughs> just you know, just carried on a conversation with me. And one of the guys I worked with the summer job was a huge, huge Alabama fan. And so I said, "I said, Coach, can I ask you something? Is there any way?" And I told him about my friend. My friend is the biggest fan, and. I am a big college football fan. Is there any way I can get your autograph? So I got Gene Stallings autograph on two little napkins um, from just visiting a photography store in Highland Park about 22 years ago. It's just craziest thing ever. That's a great story. Yeah, he's a, he's a good man, and I'm, I'm glad this award is out there. It's named after him. Coach Patterson's a worthy recipient of it. You know, the person awarding or giving, or giving the award to Coach Patterson tonight, presenting that award, is, is Mac Brown, former head coach at the University of Texas. Clapping. My, my forever image is Mac on the sideline clapping with his headset on. Congratulations. Texas and TCU were in the news. <laughs> you know, he, Gary, he's just played so hard and he's got that team ready to go. Uh, 
Texas and TCU were in the news this week for a social media dust-up. I want to just go ahead and give a tip of the hat to the TCU social media team. So on May 4th, for the May the 4th be with you, I'm not going to name names, but somebody up the ladder at the social media team, who I talked with on Twitter offline, uh, posted a video of the four, May the four, straight wins, double-digit wins that TCU has had over the University of Texas. And, of course, my my favorite part is not that we posted, that the team posted that video, which was awesome, by the way. But the Texas fans' response to it were worthy of uh, worthy of comment. Daniel, did you did you see this tweet? Did you see this video? And did you get to soak up any uh, Texas tears? Yes, um, I found about it through other means. I hadn't checked Twitter or anything, and um, I thought it was really clever. And and I think the fact that they pretty much overreacted to—I mean, it's just—it's—it's it's just funny, haha. But it's not no, like there's nothing funny. Yeah, they. I mean, <laughs> not, not when it's not when it's aimed at Texas. <laughs> no, no. Well, not to them, but uh, anyway, it's they—they um, they still own the overall record, so they got all butthurt. Um, over over this little thing, but you know it's it's such a recent phenomenon, uh, considering the Texas versus TCU lifetime record. It's it was, you know the way they react is just hilarious. That I mean that yeah that that was coming. I mean as soon as I saw it, I, I said oh man, and I knew it was going to you know take a, take a matter of time before people had actually embedded the tweet and made stories out of it and everything else. And I almost did. I, I was extremely close to doing that uh myself but someone with texas had already done it so i wasn't going to regurgitate everything but yeah i (laughs) i I don't know if uh coach p was uh too too uh extremely happy about that tweet overall would you jeremy would you say close programs or sources close to the program at amon carter were not pleased with that tweet (laughs) Uh, yeah, I can confirm that particular people <laughs> in the John Justin athletic office, not, I okay. wouldn't say people, just more of a person. An award-winning source may have uh, not been a fan of that. <laughs> no comment. You should be on the right trail. <laughs> you know, I got to give credit where credit is due. Uh, I think it was Jeff Ketchum who runs uh, Orange Bloods, the t- the Texas rival site. Yeah, he 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 posted, he tweeted the story out, and basically just said, you know, hey, it's what it is. And a whole bunch of people, you know, Texas fans just were irate and you know indignant about it. And his response was great. He goes, "Buddy, smoke them if you got them." <laughs> He's like, "Hey, what are you going to do? What, what are you going to say? They've they've done nothing but." But lay the wood to Texas for the last four years, and there's there's really not a lot. He, you know, I know Jeff is a, is a lightning rod figure in Big Twelve media, but his basic response was, uh, "Hasn't tech TCU owned Texas since they were invited into the Big Twelve? The answer is yes. Okay, why don't Texas? Why doesn't Texas start beating them, and then you won't see things like this?" So, I do have to say, when you reach back to 1940s to to show your relevancy, that is that is a little bit of an overreach. I know that all those numbers do add up. But all any kid remembers is basically since when TCU got into the Big 12, and there's there's one memory of Texas beating TCU, and I guarantee no recruit saw it because it was a 14-hour lightning delay when Texas beat TCU in Fort Worth in 2013. So it's, uh, it's just the story. That's what it is. Texas loses to TCU, and may the fourth be with you. And not to mention, last year, <laughs> Texas's worst loss was to TCU. It was, yeah. yes. It was. I was actually going back looking over uh, their their season last last year, and they I think it was the only double digit loss after they lost to Maryland. Yeah, it was the only double digit loss. They lost by ten to Maryland, and then they you know they lost to TCU twenty twenty uh, seven seven and uh, or twenty four seven, and everything else was within a score. Yep. You know, some of them were within a touchdown. That Oklahoma game was a lot closer than people remember. Sure. And uh, you know that that that's not to say Texas is back. But the only team that really kind of laid laid the wood to him after the first game of the year was was TCU. So nothing wrong with uh, bringing that up. At least we're talking about facts. That's the upside of that. It's not hyper. Well, I mean, also they were talking. I I want to say that's the only team they've beaten four years in a row in the Big Twelve. So it wasn't like they were just trying to prod at Texas. 
Yeah, it's t- uh, they beat they beat Kansas, but, but if you if you put a tweet out about beating yeah. Kansas four times in a row, just shut the thing down. That's just negative recruiting. What's that, Daniel? <laughs> it's negative recruiting. Yeah, the numbers were skewed. I think you're the numbers were skewed. Yeah, a lot of those points were scored after Texas took out their second team. <laughs> Well, before we get into recruiting, let's let's talk a little uh, life safety here. Daniel, you wanted to update us on a recent purchase that you made and a few near-death experiences. Why don't you give us a quick summary of that? Okay. I bought a motorcycle. Um, I wouldn't say they're near-death, but they at the time, they felt like it. Um, I could probably do a lot worse. Um but I'd like to try and organize a um, Horn Frog Blitz uh, motorcycle ride, uh, so everyone who has a bike, we can all ride. We will meet at the McAnally Intermediate School here in Alito, and I will lead the pack. We will drive around the school four or five times and call it a day. <laughs> there might not be. Is that for is that for uh, driver safety? That's my skill level. All right, so you bought a new bike, <laughs> and you, it's supposed to be funny. And you've laid it on the ground. I laughed at your laugh four times. I laughed at your laugh. <laughs> you bought a new bike, and you've laid it on the ground. What four times? Three times? Uh, three. Um, one time. This has and people who know about motorcycle stuff will know. Target fixation is a bad thing. Um, I stared at a curb twice. Uh, one time I locked the brakes and it, my bike fell over. The other time I locked the brakes, slid into the curb and fell over. And then another time I stared at the curb, but somehow panicked and hit the throttle and the bike went flying pretty much out from under me. And then I went into the, someone's yard um, about 10 feet from my bike and it laid there on the curb. It sounds so, to me like your motorcycle skills are about like Baylor season was last year. Yeah, I've had um, uh, one out of 11 good rides. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are awesome. <laughs> so the the, but, the, uh, the ironic piece of that, Daniel, got, is all those wrecks were, were, were all in your driveway, right? Um. They were in the neighborhood, and I almost wrecked the one time I was going to go down. I went down the street to the gas station, and when I got on the Farm Road 5, I took too wide of a turn because I'm a, I, was, I'm, I had – I don't have any more, but I had this fear of dropping it from underneath me if I leaned too much, and I took too wide of a turn, and I nearly hit the guardrail across the, across the road. Uh, so it was almost four crashes. Wow. So – well done, buddy. Well done. And that's after taking the Motorcycle Safety Foundation course to certify me for a motorcycle license. Um, I don't think they do that. I don't think it's comprehensive enough. Um, <laughs> and riding on a little 200 dirt bike does not prepare you for the real world. We'll pray for you. Well, I only got two words. Yeah. Roll tide. Yeah, I might need it, um, or I might just sell the whole thing and just forget it and get back to my Xbox and where I'm comfortable. Do you play Fortnite, <laughs> Daniel? No, but I've been hearing about it, and, and apparently all the kids are playing it. Yeah, my kid plays it. Both of my kids play it. <laughs> yeah. I don't see what it is. When I was a kid, Fortnite's just where you got the blankets yep. out and put them over the couches and the in the chair. That's That was my So they have all these things called D-Bucks oh. or whatever, and they have uh, – and my son was trying to coax me the other day with with baseball. Hey, Dad, if I you know if I get this guy struck out, will you give me twenty five V bucks so I can get some V bucks on Fortnite, this and that. So yeah, I won't stick with. I don't get a motorcycle. I'll stick with an Xbox if I ever want to get thrilled. It's a hell of a lot safer <clears throat> and cheaper. And it's cheap. I've spent and a cheaper. lot of money in the last couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> oh man that's great well let's go ahead and switch gears to recruiting jeremy get your notebook open yeah, let's start with the most going, recent... man uh, what are they talking about motorcycles for that's what 
That's what about three people are saying right now. Xbox, I know, man. I, I wish you could just tell us what we could fast forward to get this over with. <laughs> See, I want to talk about barbecue and uh, dating tips and, and how to shave your neck just, just to make those people uh, uncomfortable. That's what I want to spend some time on. <laughs> Heaven forbid that this not just be a voice-to-text uh, conversation about recruiting. So if uh, if you fast-forwarded the last four minutes, you, you missed the best part. You missed Absolutely. the best part. We had a commitment this weekend. The Frogs brought in a running back from California Saddleback Community College who's got four years to play three. Jeremy, update us where, um, you know, tell us a little bit how the Frogs dug him up, his recruitment process, and what his commitment means for for this class because he's going to go ahead and basically count towards the last class to sign in February. So he's, he hasn't signed yet. Uh, I, I, wait a minute, excuse me. I strategically didn't say his name because I can't pronounce it. I just call him Amari. Okay, I can go with that. I can say Amari. So basically, TCU started recruiting him in January, and it was one of those situations where he was he was on their radar. And then once they started doing a little bit more digging, they figured out that he was a qualifier out of high school, and so he could add immediate depth. And if you look at the running back, if you're at the spring game, oh my goodness! I mean, if you if you saw the spring game, if Darius Anderson or Shaywo go down, you've got one scholarship running back. Now I keep being told there's a little breaking news that Fabian is still uh, on track to get on campus in, in June. So, we'll see when he gets on campus. That's, I don't want to, I don't want to you know, put that completely out there yet, but even if Fabian's on campus, it's only four running backs and you got two of them that are going to be upperclassmen. And I'm, I hate to break bad news to people, but I think if Darius Anderson has the kind of year I think he will, he may be seeing NFL teams coming after him because I personally think I personally think oh, Darius yeah. is a top five running back in college football. When he's healthy, with his speed, with his size and versatility, I think I think he's a top five running back in college football. And if he has the kind of year I think he will, I think even more teams are gonna notice that <clears throat> at the next level and and he could he could definitely be uh, seeing seeing the positive positives of moving on. I hope he doesn't. You know, he's fun to watch at the college level. So, uh, but anyway, uh, Amar- so Amari's going to bring yeah, Amari's going to bring depth. And I've had the question on the board. I know Jeremiah had asked it too. Uh, why is he listed as 2019? Because it was an interesting situation where he had a chance to come back to Saddleback College and play his sophomore year. And he was thinking about doing that because he had some other teams that were starting to enter the picture. And he just wanted to see, hey, you know, if TCU's offer me, maybe this will open up my recruitment even further. But I think once TCU told him what the deal was, hey, we really want you to get in here and, and you know, add depth to the roster and you're still going to have three years to play. And, and just like I just said a minute ago, they have – two upperclassmen at running back and you never know what the future is going to hold with those two guys. So he, he might come into a very interesting situation by the time he's a junior, he very well could be the starting running back. So uh, it, it's a very good pickup. Uh, he's, he's not real flashy. He does what he needs to do. He's versatile. He's just kind of like Kyle Hicks. Someone had asked me today who I think he's similar to. And Kyle Hicks is a guy because I think, uh, he, he's not as shifty as Kyle, but I, I think he has the same kind of speed, the breakaway speed. He's not gonna, he's not gonna score an eighty-yard touchdown, but he's gonna move the chains when he needs to. And uh, obviously, it, it's gonna help the depth. I mean, I can't say it enough. He's he, when you have uh, two guys and one of those guys go down. I, don't, I love Kenny to death, but I don't know if you could rely on a one hundred and seventy-pound running back right now. So. Uh, getting him was huge and good Good for him to still have uh, those three years or four years to play three. That was the big part. Yeah, I think this is a, uh, a kid that we needed that's going to bring depth to that roster. And even if he would have waited another year and gone back to Saddleback and then even up ended up eventually landed at TCU – I think that year being on campus to adjust to a four-year college, to adjust to a Division One program, get at the training table and get in the weight room, even if he only gets, you know, 
you know, 50 carries next year, 30 carries next year, that's going to make him better for that junior and senior year, even if Darius moves on. I think this is a great piece, a great addition, and uh, I, th- I think it's going to help the Frogs not only in 2018, but, ne- but 19 and 20. I think it could really set up to be that guy that could win a key game late in the year in 19 or 20 that we need, that, that this recruitment locking this down had, can open the door to that. You know, we don't we don't get to podcast every week, Derry, or we don't podcast every week here during the offseason, and just the timing of it worked out so poorly for us, honestly. But we had a massive recruit, uh, a massive commit at quarterback um, out of Western Iowa. Jeremy, tell our listeners a little bit. Give us a background of how the Frogs landed Max. Tell us a little bit about what uh, his recruitment story was like and what assets he's going to bring to the program. <laughs> Well, he's very, very athletic, uh, and this just continues the run of athletic quarterbacks. They've been able to land the last three classes, and Sean Robinson obviously starting off, then Justin Rogers last year, and then this year with Max. His recruitment was kind of unordinary from what I've seen before with TCU because it's not a guy that they really recruited for a really long time. Uh, they had their eye on him. Uh, they obviously knew who he was. And last year, Max got injured, so he didn't have a ton of film out there on him. Um, but he was already getting plenty of interest after his after his sophomore year. But TCU really didn't move on him until January when they when they offered him. And, and Sonny Cumbie just did a fantastic job building that relationship, uh, not only with Max, but with Max's dad, who's also his coach. And and a member of Horn Frog Blitz, the message board. Well, I don't know about that. I, I don't know if Max's dad is on there or not, but he uh, he's obviously Sonny just did a great job as far as building that relationship, you know, getting Max down to campus as soon as he can and, and as soon as he could. And when when Max came down, he just fell in love with the place. And I think when you look at the roster for him, he's playing in the Big 12 and uh, he's he's playing at a small school and he's from the Midwest, Council Bluffs, Iowa. Not a very big town. It's obviously close to Omaha, but you know those those guys tend to like to stay in those small settings. And when you come down to TCU, you got classes with 25 students instead of 150 to 200, and so you get more one-on-one time with the professors. And obviously, the offense is is a perfect fit for him. He's six two. He's one ninety. And if anyone uh, saw what he did this past weekend at the Elite 11 and the uh, opening up in Canton, Ohio. I mean, this kid is uh, he's his 40 time in the four fives was faster than a lot of skill guys that TCU's recruiting that I saw personally over in uh, Ulysses Trinity Trinity last weekend. So uh, very athletic. I think he's probably going to be the fastest guy on the roster when once he gets there at quarterback. And this is the guy that they wanted. I promise you when they got him, you could hear the bottles popping and uh, he's, he's one of those kids that obviously if he gets on campus, it could make the quarter quarterback battle very interesting. And it seems like we say this every year because they just keep getting those type of players. And this, this was kind of a funny deal too, because it, that really doesn't happen for TCU to go out and get a kid of his caliber and really just offer not that long ago. I mean, you offer in January, he commits in April. That's only really a, a four month timeline. And that really doesn't happen, especially after he's gone to Ohio state or Notre Dame and Minnesota so many times. I mean, at one point, everyone thought he was a lock to Minnesota. And then it would before that it was a lock to Nebraska. So he had built relationships with those coaching staffs and it, 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 it's kind of like for TCU fans, if I could put the perfect example on it, would be like Jonathan Gray or Baron Browning. And you think you have those kids locked up because they come to campus so many times and they build such great relationships with the coaches that you know TCU had a great chance with those kids. And for whatever reason, they went different routes. And that's just kind of – I know what Minnesota's feeling like because – they had that relationship with Max because they recruited him so long and he went up there so many times. And then here comes TCU into the picture. They've got this four-star quarterback on the roster who was a top five quarterback from the 17 class. 
oh, by the way, they've got a 2018 kid who was the number two dual threat quarterback in the country that's also on the roster. And by the way, you got this walk on that all of a sudden everyone's talking about around Fort Worth uh, and, and the guys that, for the people that saw the spring game and, and really go had a chance to go out and see practices in Michael Collins. And so you you have those three quarterbacks on the roster that are going to be there next year when when Max is there. So you kind of look at that competition and think, man, it's just it's going to be a, a really really tough quarterback competition because each one of those guys has their special talent that they bring to the table. And man, it's I, I don't I don't envy Sonny Cumbie for uh, the decision he has to make in about two years when all these guys uh, have a ton of experience as far as uh, learning the practice schemes and everything else, being in the quarterback meetings and, and going through spring and fall practices. And, and uh, it's going to be a tough decision to make for him. Well, I think Landon Max Duggan is huge for the program, huge for uh, the continuation of excellence at recruiting at quarterback. As you said, you have Sean, you have Justin, you have Collins in there, and now Max coming on board with, with those elite numbers at the Elite 11 in Ohio. That, that's what elite programs do. Some people have said, well, why would, why, would someone, why would Justin Rogers come here if Sean Robinson's already there? Or why would Max come there if Justin Rogers is already there? This is what elite programs do. They, they yeah. just go out and they retool and they reload. And then they just roll, you know, throw the ball out there and then let the competition be open. One of the things you know about confident, and there's a difference between confident and cocky, confident elite players come out of high school is all they want is a chance you know, they, they, they don't, you know, they, I know they look at the depth chart, but they're not intimidated by a depth chart. And it sure. seems like all of those guys from, from Sean to Justin to Max, they see a depth chart and they say, I can do this. And that's the kind of player that you want. They believe in themselves. It's going to bet on themselves. And I think those are the guys that you want at quarterback that are going to bring out the best in everybody else. And those are the intangibles that I think that I know Justin has, and I know Sean has, and it sounds as if Max has. So it's a, the future is bright and Sonny Cumbie has a lot of toys to play with moving forward and you pile on top of that that you got Jalen Rager and Omar Manning and T Hunt coming on campus and Tate Barber and Jalen Austin's gonna have a big senior season. These are these are great assets to have at your disposal if you're one of the if whoever gets to be quarterback with, with all these toys that Sonny Cumbie has at his disposal. So it's a good day to be a Horn Frog fan. I appreciate you updating us on that, Jeremy. One of the other guys that was on campus this weekend was Jason Gold. The Frogs are in a battle with um, several programs here, Northwestern specifically. But he had an official visit. We have that new format now where official visits can take place in the spring. Give us an update on Jason's recruitment. I know you posted something on the board this afternoon. Tell our listeners where the recruitment is with Jason Gold. And tell us a little bit about who he is and what position he plays and what he brings to the table. Well, Jason is hes a guy that TCU offered very early. I think Texas State was the first to offer and, and TCU was the second to offer. And, and I know that uh, as far as defensive tackles go, he was really the first target um, that they really went after. And Carter Johnson was, was right behind him. And so it was really Jason and Carter, vice versa, Carter, Jason, it was one a and one a, I mean, they, they, they both are very, very high on um, the list of wants for the staff at, at defensive tackle. He's plays, he's listed as a defensive end, um, right now on 24-7, but at 250 right now, they all project him to be an inside guy. And as a matter of fact, TCU is recruiting him as a three-tech. He knows that. He's told me that they're recruiting him on the interior. He's fine with that. Uh, he's definitely – I can't say it enough. He's he's definitely a guy who wants if, – if they get him, they're going to shut down the defensive tackle recruitment. The only thing that would change that, if you missed it on the recruiting chat, is if they lost a defensive tackle. And that's either to attrition or, as I've mentioned earlier with Darius Anderson, there's also a chance, if you have a a great year, that a guy like Ross Blacklock could start to end up on some of these watch lists as a guy because he's a redshirt sophomore, meaning he's been out of high school for three years, which could put him into the NFL draft. So um, don't look at the sophomore um, for people that aren't really in tune with that, if he has a red shirt and he's a sophomore, red shirt sophomores are eligible for the draft, just like Sam Darnold was this year. Um, but where they stand with them, it's in a, it, they're in a great spot. They had a, Jason told me he had a great visit. I'm going to do a story here uh, on Monday night. 
he had a great he has a great relationship with Coach Fitch. Had a great relationship has a great relationship with Coach Patterson. Spent some time at his house. They're doing all the right things. The one the one thing that is kind of holding things up is what I posted on the board earlier today was uh, the mom really wants him to focus on the academic side of things. And we all know TCU has a, has a great business school. They're, they're very well known as a great academic school. They graduate their players, have a high success rate, but kind of like with, it's hard to explain and Maybe you guys will get me when I say this, when you, when you look at some programs for football, who do you think of? You think of, Alabama as being like a name school or even Texas. That's a, that's a name school for football programs. Correct. Am I, am I along the right lines here? Definitely Alabama. Go right ahead. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm just talking to you like for Texas recruits, Texas, whether we like it or not, is still the state school is still the name brand that everyone looks at. So yes. if you're, if you're focused on academics, Northwestern is not a bad name school to look at. Everyone knows Northwestern is a, a great academic institution, so I can't fault it. It's it's kind of along the not same lines, but it's it's up there with Stanford. I mean, you go to Stanford, you can boast, stick your test out as far as you want to, and say, "Hey, I'm a Stanford grad." And a lot of people with Northwestern, Jeff, you're in that neck of the woods. Northwestern's yeah. a, a a great degree to have. Whether they're it's a great they, school. You know, it is a great school. It's got a great academic reputation. And other than, than maybe Stanford and Rice and maybe Vanderbilt, it's probably the best, uh, you know, FBS university in terms of, of where they rank in terms of academic standing. Sure. And you know what? And, and I follow him being up here. Fitzgerald's a great coach. I mean, like, he's a good man yeah. and he's a good coach. And they put some guys in the league. And, uh, you know, they have a down season every now and then. But they win and go to bowl games. And, you know, I know Chicago, is it's easy to take shots at it. But, dude, Evanston, that's about as pretty as it gets. And they got that new facility right there on the lake no, that's, that if that you haven't seen is it, it, it's it's first first class and it you know if you're gonna live in chicago live in evanston because it is about as good as it gets it's a beautiful location uh you know winter lasts 18 months but who cares you know you know you, you can go back to texas in the summer so well not yeah but no you're right i can see why i can see the appeal of northwestern especially when you start to um and, and this is why i respect the choices that he's trying to make when, when it's more than simply who's going to get me into the playoff, right. you know, TCU's got a shot to get you into the playoff, better shot than Northwestern, but he's trying to make a, a he is trying to make a 40 year decision and you can't go wrong with, with a 40 year decision right. at Northwestern, but it is a long way away yeah. from Texas. Not that we're touting Northwestern as the school he should go to. We're not getting paid for, no, we're not paid, getting paid for I'm all touted. this free uh, publicity that we're talking about for them. But I mean, he, that's, no, I'm saying every kid that isn't committed to TCU should go to Northwestern. How's that? <laughs> if TCU is not targeting you, you should go to you should go to Northwestern. But it, the thing about it is, is what I was told is that he he almost committed on the visit. Dad was backing him, and it was really the mom that wanted to go home and 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 talk things over, um, because. It's it, what you're looking for in a program. TCU has it on the football field, and they have it in the classroom. And Northwestern, I can't remember what they did this past year, but she's, from what I was told, the football. If it's up to her, they could have gone 0 and 12, TCU or Northwestern. She's just caring about the academic side. So, and it's yeah, absolutely, and it's one of those things too where I'm not, I'm not down, I'm not. Throwing poison on TCU or dissing TCU, but if you have a kid, it's you know maybe she likes to gloat that my kid goes to Northwestern because she's proud. I don't know. I I really don't know, but that's that's one of the things that you know. I, that's one I, of those things that they're they're looking at. Um, but TCU, like I said, is is in very very good shape, and I will say that. I don't think Jason will wait too long. I've been told he can make a decision in a few days. Um, he still may take a visit up to Northwestern, but he told me he doesn't have any visits planned right now um, because spring ball is going on and, and uh, they have scrimmages that they do at his school um, for the next few weekends. So he hasn't got anything planned. Um, so that tells me maybe he may have a decision before that. But if, if not, if he, if he's not, if he's dead set on not making any other choice, any decision until he sees Northwestern, then it's going to be 
several weeks, it sounds like, just because he doesn't have time to get up there and visit yet. But um, I, I would, I'm still keeping my crystal ball in for TCU, obviously. I, I, I still think from everything that I'm hearing um, on a lot of sides is that TCU is, is still the, the favorite. And he understands and he knows that they're not taking a whole lot of def- defensive tackles this class. And they've already got one of them, and he knows he's the other top one. And he knows he can't sit there and ho- think, and they're, think they're going to hold that spot for months on end. So he needs to go ahead and, like I said on the on the message board, the, the train is leaving the station. It's his decision on whether or not he wants to hop on. Well, let's look at another defensive lineman that the Frogs are in the running with. Somebody you've you've kind of unofficially got on commitment watch, Colt Ellison, out of Alito, defensive end. He took a trip to Notre Dame. Give us a little bit about uh, what you were able to pick up about his trip to Notre Dame, and then more importantly, where do the Frogs stand with landing him? Because I hear he might be close to pulling the trigger. What's right. the update on Colt Ellison out of Alito? <laughs> well, I heard, on his trip to Notre Dame, I heard that he locked some things, and I heard that uh, – he really couldn't see himself there. And that, that I even got that from some Notre Dame people that um, they just felt that it was too far for him because he's, he's extremely close with his family. And I know he's told me before that he could go anywhere in the country and his mom and dad are going to support wherever he goes and they'll be at the games every weekend. Um, but, but I do think that Notre Dame might be too far. And, and from other people I've spoken with um, around Alito is that, he just nothing bad to say about Notre Dame. He just didn't feel like it was right for him. Like he didn't get an overall good vibe about that. And even after the visit, which was crazy because even Tom Loy, who's terrific at covering Notre Dame for our 24 seven site, he even put a crystal ball in for TCU after all the Intel he heard. And I had a chance to visit with him about it and just talking with him and some of the things he said, just convinced me even more than after I talked with Colt myself it just it just seemed like it's only a matter of time, and then shortly after I even posted a story about Colt and his um, interest in TCU, I get more and more messages about it's a done deal, it's happening. Uh, Colt even said that he's going to wait until um, after spring ball, but there's things he's told some people that lead me to believe TCU is in in very very good shape for him right now. I, I would be um, caught off guard if he chose a different school um not so much caught off guard if he changes his mind and, and wants to wait uh to make his decision um but he's the kind of guy and, and i'll say this <clears throat> uh some of the uh the opening last weekend at, at ulis trinity um or just over a week ago sorry uh, wyatt harris and uh Cole ellison weren't there and i i you know i've got a great relationship with those guys and asked if if uh, they were going to make it and they said no we we don't have any reason to i mean we've got wyatt's committed to tcu he has nothing to prove and colt's got all kinds of offers with uh his decision coming up and he doesn't want to get hurt with you know doing any of those camps so he doesn't have anything to prove they don't care about where they're ranked at and uh that yeah it's (laughs) what when you when you hear that from a player what what college do you always see when players talk like that where do they end up and so that just that just leads me to believe like it they're they're in the same mode of uh the kind of players tcu already has on campus and the and the kind of kids they recruit so that that's another reason why i just think colt's going to be a frog and i could be wrong guys i don't want to get everyone's hopes up i mean recruiting is a crazy business but um i i I feel really good about tcu's chances he he just has a great relationship with all those coaches and and the one coach i know he has a a really good relationship with is tony savino and and tony's tony's done a great job with those alito kids i mean those those alito kids love tony savino they really do he just when when they get on campus he's like their big brother and uh he i think that's going to be i think he's going to be the guy that's going to be the difference maker for colt I, i really really do well, I think we should all kind of be on edge here that uh, Ellison might be pulling the trigger as soon as Alito wraps up spring ball because I everything you say points points towards TCU. I love that comment about the opening. That makes sense for Wyatt. He knows what he wants to do. He knows where he's going to be. That's a family business there for the Harris is coming to TCU. But 
to hear El- to hear that about Ellison, that's that's even better. So hopefully he can pull the trigger here really quick. Yeah, Two and just to quick- prove it, he, he hasn't been at the Under Armour camps or the the Nike camps. If that says anything, he doesn't care. He he really doesn't care about those rankings and everything else. And I will tell you, Daniel can probably agree with this. Those Alito kids had a, a bad taste in their mouth at the end of the season when they got shown up by it was a college station that beat them in the in the state yeah. title game in Jerry World. Oh yeah, they're oh they got to be ticked they're off. Still about trying that. to figure out they, how that happened. I'm still trying to figure out how that happened. Didn't they miss an extra point? Uh, I think they missed. I'm just I, did they miss two and then they yeah. lost by two or something like that. They had a they had a pick six that was yeah dropped. it was. Yeah, I was I was watching it with my dad, and we were both just pulling our hair out. And I was like, "Those those points are gonna make the difference in the game." And I, I think they did. But um, twenty nine or twenty nineteen uh, College Station uh, twenty nineteen. The Bearcats missed two. The Bearcats missed two extra points and had one hundred and fourteen yards worth of penalties. Oh, that's epic! I bet. I bet. I bet the Alito coach. I bet the Alito coaching staff won't let those kids outside of Parker County. Just like they're just running wind sprints. Or maybe they get a kicker. <laughs> they had they had a really good kicker this past year. That's what was crazy. Like he, he could boom the football. Man. Oh, well, it's it's not a frog cast if we don't get bogged down in Alito, in Alito High School football. <laughs> so two other guys I wanted to ask you about real quick here, Jeremy. Uh, uh, Jalen uh, – Catalan, Jalen Catalan out of Mansfield, top-rated uh, safety in the state. Where do the frogs stand in landing him? I know his recruitment's going to ro- go long. Some of these higher-rated kids, they're not going to just commit right away. What do you think about Jalen Catalan and where he's got relates to coming coming on board with the frogs? I, I think he he, uh, he has a genuine interest in TCU. I, it, without him really listing top schools, um, it, it's tough to forecast where he's going to end up, but I, but I do know TCU's in the mix. He's told me straight up. I've heard it from other people. Um, Texas is in the mix, Arkansas, Clemson, and, and he is going to, he is going to wait it out for a while. Uh, I mean, he has, he has no hurry and, um, the kid's just a, just a fun kid to talk to. He's a very smart kid. He's going to look at every, uh, single one of the factors um in choosing a school and he, he's gonna he's gonna dissect everything he's gonna look at um where the best fit's gonna be and i posted this on the board before too and um i don't know if people really quite understood what i was trying to say because sometimes i do get confusing on there but uh, he's he's not he doesn't come off as one of those kids where i've met kids in the past where you just know they're they're gonna look at they're gonna look at schools with the bright lights uh, and I'm not going to mention names, but I but I know I've said them on the podcast before, and I've mentioned them on the boards. You just you just know the kids that no matter TCU can go undefeated, win national championship, and a kid's still going to choose another school because they have ninety thousand people that come to the games. That's it. That's, <coughs> Brandon I mean, Eagles. I don't know if it's, <laughs> uh, but anyway, that's there's just some kids like that. I mean, as long as I've been doing this, there's there's just always been. Yeah, there's I, I can list probably 30 40 kids right off the top of my head and but there's there's kids that just that just do that they look at stadium size they they look at school size and everything else and, and i just i honestly don't think Jalen looks at that kind of stuff i don't think he's going to get fooled with a lot of smoke and mirrors he's he's going to look at um, where he fits in best he's going to look at the education baseball is something he's looking at and and i'm sure tc would start to if he said coach is there any chance I could play uh, baseball at TCU? I'm sure they would get uh, Schloss on the phone and, and and start talking to him about that and the the possibilities. But I asked him straight up. I, I said, Jalen, is it going to be uh, if they don't let you play baseball? Is that is that a done deal? Is that is are, are they out of the mix? And he said, No. He said, That's you know, I'm a football person. I'm a football guy first. You know, baseball is just something I do because I enjoy playing it, but. Um, I'm a football guy. So if, if TCU, for whatever reason, decides they don't want to let him play baseball, it's not going to be a deal breaker. Um, and I know a lot of people are saying that okay. he's told every school that he has to play baseball and football. And I just, that's not true. That's, that's not true at all. And I know that in talking to him and I know that in talking to other people. Um, but yeah, they stand to, I, I think personally, it's, it's going to be one of those, deals that go down to the very end and i think tcu is going to be uh right along 
the whole time. I, I really do. Uh, because he's one of those kids and I've said it, said it several times on the board, um, that I truly believe he's someone that could come in and play as a true freshman and, and start. That's how smart he is. He's just that kind of player. And I know they, they, they love him. I mean, he's top guy on their list of safety and, uh, love his ability. And if you look at the roster and there's, there's, there's nothing bad I'm saying about the current roster, but I've seen a lot of those guys play in person. I've seen Jalen play in person and he's, he's a difference maker. I mean, he really, really is. And he's the kind of guy that he obviously plays quarterback for legacy as well. So he's a very smart kid. And that's one thing that coach Patterson loves in the safeties. He loves a kid that's smart back there. Just like TJ Johnson, TJ Johnson wasn't the, the, uh, fastest athlete on the field but he was just so stinking smart so that's what allowed him to play as a true freshman under gary so jalen's jalen's got the same kind of uh awareness mm-hmm. um that tj has and i, I think jalen would would definitely be a candidate if he did choose tcu that he would have a great chance to play as a true freshman and even start at one of those safety positions um but yeah i i think tcu's in great shape but you know, for you guys that like to wear the protective metal wear around your midsection in January, just have one on the side ready to go just in case. I love that description. That, that's a very accurate description. One other guy I wanted to bring up in closing, and I'm, I'm going to kind of take a circuitous route to get there. Garrett Wilson from uh, Lake Travis committed to – Ohio State. He was down to the Longhorns and the Buckeyes. He was, he was originally from Ohio, but has been, been down here in Texas for a few years. You know, kind of in a stinging interview with one of the recruiting sites said, a lot of guys go to Texas and then don't quite live up to their potential, so I want to go to Ohio State. You know, I think he's probably the top receiver in the yeah. state, Garrett Wilson, and he's off the board. Dylan Wright from you know, West Mesquite is another one of those highly rated receivers. He's a big body. He's fast. He's got big hands. He looks like a, he's 27 years old. The Frogs have been in on him, but you've got Texas. You've got Arkansas. You've got TCU. You've got other programs that are going to you know, start to come on to him later in the season. I bet after the camp cycle, um, some of the biggest of the, uh, the, the elite of the elite. Where do the Frogs stand with him? And you have, con- you have continued to remain uh, – positive about the TCU's ability to land him through some sources that you have anything changed on that front no I still I still feel that TCU's in the mix obviously he's talking a little bit more about some other schools right now and I know um, see some people are turning him toward Texas but the one thing I'll say that's that's different with TCU and, and some of the other schools is TCU has has made it known that he's their priority um, they've made that known all along with him and Garrett and obviously they didn't get Garrett so now um, Dalen's becoming their uh, top priority at receiver, and and uh, he's got a great relationship with all those coaches. He loves Arnell Fitch, um, Monte Rager, which is Jalen's dad, uh, ha- has done a, a a great job just just telling TCU, "Hey, come play with Jalen." You know that they're family friends, and uh, that's that's the thing that uh, kind of opened uh, Dalen's eyes to TCU in the first place because Jalen's over there making plays for them and and he knows uh what what kind of ability Jalen has and, and what the coaches have done for him to allow him to uh you know have a have a, a doorstep to a great season this year the the one thing i kind of worry about is he's going to take a a long time to make a decision he's he's gone on record saying he's probably not going to decide until the uh under armor all american game which is in January. Um, so you don't know if TCU uh, offers some other guys in the interim and, and they end up getting those guys. Will they still have a spot for Dalen? I don't, I don't know. Um, I don't, I don't know that answer. He, he did have surgery on his uh, big toes, so he's not going to be going through any spring. So I don't, I don't, I mean, obviously he passes the eyeball test. I mean, if you see him, he's, he's a really good looking kid, good looking receiver. Um, so teams are going to come into the picture more and more for him, but it's kind of it's kind of like a, a lot of people have the same thought process I do. Even if he does commit, he's still going to have an open recruitment. If he if he came out and said I'm going to Texas tomorrow, he would still have an open recruitment. I don't think anyone would fully believe um, that it's a closed recruitment. So uh, TCU still going to recruit him. He's still um, very very high on their list, and uh, they're going to see what they can do to get him. 
Well, there's a lot of guys that uh, we could still talk about, but I think we've kind of reached the cap here. Anything else you guys want to uh, talk about before we wrap up here? Anything else in terms of life or relationship goals or, you know, stock tips? Because, you know, we've covered all the good stuff before we talked about recruiting. Anything else we want to get on the table before we wrap up? Hmm. First camp's June 1st. June 1st. That's true. That'll be a good one. We'll be interested to see uh, see who we can get on campus, see if we can find some diamonds in the rough again. That'd be great. That's how they found Caesar. So be interested to see what comes from those camps. Got spring ball wrapping up, and it's still uh, – when, when does – this was a question on the board. When, do the, when does the, the recruiting season uh, – recruiting uh, go dead again? Well, they can't go out can to, be out evaluating yeah, like in person. They can't, they can't go out to schools um, after May 31st. So okay. the end of this month, and then then okay. the May kids 31st. after May thirty first can start coming on campus. That's why they have those camps and stuff. So yeah, so gotcha. I'm sure I'm sure a lot of the business gotcha. they're doing right now, going out spring evals, or you know they're going out to see their offer kids, but they're also going out to see um, some kids that they can tell their coaches, hey, get them up to a camp. We'd like to see them in person. Um, do some. Coach Patterson would like to see him in person, okay. do these drills, blah, 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 whatever it takes to get kids on campus. Okay. Well, that'll be something that we'll be reporting on, so we'll keep an eye on all that. But that's some, um, we'll, we'll have some info from what's going on at those camps. Well, thanks for everybody that's listened here. We, we go over, we went over an hour tonight. I didn't know if we were going to have enough to talk about. Obviously, we had plenty to talk about. So we'll be back sooner than later. If you're not yet, please go join uh, Horn Frog Blitz. You can be stay connected to everything that's going on inside the program and on the recruiting trail. Jeremy's got great content. He's just spitting out articles left and right. And there's no one more connected to the TCU football program than Jeremy Clark. If you're leaning on somebody else to know what's really going on, you are making a mistake. If you haven't yet, uh, go on iTunes and follow us. Subscribe and give us a rating. We'd love for you to give us a five-star rating on iTunes. That goes a long way to letting people know. And if you see us on social media, on Twitter or on Facebook, please share our link. Let people know about what's going on on the Frogcast. We are proud of the work that we do. We've been going here for, for several years and uh, continue to see our audience grow. We're getting, great, we're getting great numbers. If you haven't yet, please subscribe and please share our stuff when you see it. So for Daniel and for Jeremy, I'm Jeff Mitchell. Thanks so much for listening to the Frogcast. Frogcast.